Hi guys, my name is Ansley Hester and welcome to my podcast, Counterclockwise. I am thrilled that you've decided to join me today and I cannot wait to see what God has in store for this podcast. This podcast is all about encouraging young people to be countercultural, to be different, to go away from the crowd and to be a light for our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Counterclockwise. Hey guys, and welcome back to Counterclockwise. My name is Ansley Hester, and I am your solo host for today's episode. I am super excited that you guys are back listening. Um, It's been a few weeks, but I decided this week would be a great week. Um, I had a little bit of spare time to put out another episode for y'all. So we are continuing in the series of the Find Your People book that is written by Jenny Allen. uh, talking about building deep community in a lonely world. And last week, we kind of just overcapped the book and my heart behind it. And then we also dove a little bit into like the prologue um, and stuff like that. So talking about how we aren't supposed to be this lonely, that was what the chapter was called. And so today I'm going to spend around 30 minutes just kind of recapping part one of the Find Your People book. So the Find Your People book is broken up into three parts um, with a prologue or at the end and then a couple prayers and acknowledgement chapters at the end. And so um, part one is called We Need Each Other, um, and it has four chapters in it, just kind of talking about that. And then part two is the path to connection, and with five chapters in it, just kind of talking about each point that she's trying to make in the find your people path, basically. Um, and then in part three is fighting for your village, so talking a little bit more about fighting for the different peoples. Um, so we're going to spit to spend some time today talking about part one, and then we'll go through part two and part three in some coming episodes. So part one, the chapter titles are There is Another Way, The Connection We Crave, A Vision for Something More, and Finding Your People. So basically, if you guys haven't been listening to the other episodes, then I would definitely recommend going back and doing that. But for this season, it's kind of nonchalant, kind of very laid back episodes to where I haven't really planned anything crazy out. Um, Just I've read the book and I've taken notes on the book and annotated the book. And so just wanting to share some of the different points that stood out to me while I was reading the book and just kind of expand on them and, and talk on them on this platform. So super, super excited about that. So first of all, in chapter one, it talks about there is another way and talking about how, you know, there's another way to build connection and another way to build, um, life. Um, and so something that they talk about in this chapter, which I really, really grasped onto is this idea. She said that she said this in the book, it says, I began this journey with you aware of two things. Number one, people make up the best parts of life. And number two, people make up the most painful parts of life. So I really, this really kind of stood out to me, just kind of talking about how people are put in our lives, not to be perfect, not to be God, but 
they make up both the best part. And it's such a true quote of like the best parts of life are when we're around people, the best parts of life are when we have a baby, which is with people, when we get a new job or when we have a birthday, like these best moments in life are with other humans. But then also the worst parts in life are also with other humans right? For the most part, like divorces and friendship troubles and marriages and all the things are also with people. Um, And so just if we have that mindset of people are not supposed to be perfect or my people are not supposed to be perfect, then we're not expecting perfection from others around us. Because when we expect perfection from others around us, and we don't receive perfection, it makes us upset because we thought we were going to get it, right? And so I feel like that's something I've struggled with as my own life is I feel like my friends in some ways idolize me as God and want me to be perfect. And when I fail them, it really hurts them. But I'm a human and I fail. But when I fail them, it hurts them because they have idolized me as this perfect being, which I'm definitely not. Um, so that was really interesting. Let's see. So this other, so this is another part of the book. I love that the book is kind of, it's not written just in paragraph format. There's bullet points, there's underlines, there's bolded words, there's numbered, there's all these different fun paragraphs. So it makes it a little bit more interesting to read. Um, and so one of the first bullet point lists that we have is this idea of, definitions of friendships, basically. And this is something that I really, really loved. And as I was going through the book, I wrote names of people that I felt did or were those people in these different scenarios. Let let me read them to you. There's about 10 of them. It says, long, meaningful conversations with people who have known you for years and who would donate their kidney if you needed it. People who would drop by pizza with paper plates unannounced if they missed you and aren't afraid to intrude. Regular scheduled, regular unscheduled and unhurried time with people who feel like family, even if they aren't. The obvious few screams, the obvious few who screams with joy when they share your awesome news and cry with you when you share the hard stuff. People who show up early to help cook and stay late to clean up. People who hurt you and are hurt by you, but you choose to work things through with you instead of you both quitting on each other. People who live on mission beside you, who challenge you and make you better. People who know they are your people and you theirs. People who belong together. So that's just a list of different bullet points of different types of friendships and closeness that we are missing. And I wrote a couple names by different ones, but one I want to point out kind of back to my perfection point and the people make up the best parts of life and the people make up the worst parts of life. It says this, it says people who hurt you and are hurt by you, but choose to work through it with you instead of both of you quitting on each other. So this is just basically saying, and I have someone in my life that I can think of off the bat, but, but someone who is hurt by you and someone that hurts you, it's, it's a two way road, right? 
but we're not just going to hurt each other and get hurt and just quit and just leave. But we're going to fight for that relationship and continue to thrive in that relationship. And I feel like that's such an intimate part of my friendships that I need to improve on and that I feel like I already have in ways. So the whole question of the book is this right here. Is it possible to live connected, intimately connected to other people? That's the whole that's the whole point of this book is is it possible to live connected with people and through like with people and through people, right? Is that a possibility? And that's something that I think Jenny Allen does a fantastic job of walking through in this book as, yes, it is possible, but God, right? Like, yes, you can do all these scenarios and you can make these different things your friendships, but God has to be the root of it, has to be the main focus in it. Otherwise, it's just going to fall flat. And so I feel like that's a super, super important thing that happens is through this book. Um, Connection costs something more than many are willing to pay. So the question of the book is, is it possible to live connected, intimately connected to other people? And the answer is yes, but connection costs something that more are willing to pay. If you want to find your people, if you want this connection, then you have to be willing to pay for it. You have to be willing to give something up. And that's something that I have seen through this journey of this book is that through it, through this journey, I have seen that some conveniences and some things in my own life don't happen because I prioritize friendships or because I prioritize family. I am a little OCD. And so I try and clean my room every week. Right. And so sometimes my room doesn't get clean anymore because I need to go spend extra time with family on the weekend or because I need to go and have dinner with a friend. Things don't get done in my life because of that. This afternoon, I went on a walk with my cousin and it probably took an hour and a half of my day and I didn't think it was going to take that long, but I needed to go on that walk with my cousin. And now I'm a little put back in my to-do list for the rest of the day, but God is going to provide a way once we set these intimate times and let go of the worry behind things, he will provide a way for us and bless us through our, our, our sacrifice of giving up our personal time for others. It says, everything I'll be asking you in our journey together requires that you risk your comfort and your routines. That's, again, risking that comfort and that routine of the normalcy and the everyday. That is what we're losing when this happens. So then we're talking about waiting for connection. Um, Some people have tons of friends, but don't have that intimacy in a friendship. I would say for myself, I have lots of friends. I have lots of acquaintances, but I don't have many best friends or lifelong friends. And there's a list I'll have to bring uh, for one of these episodes of this tier of friendship. And it starts with lifelong friends and ends with acquaintances. And so it's kind of like the steps of like from acquaintance becomes a friend and becomes a playmate and becomes a 
um, peer and becomes a this and then becomes a best friend and then hopefully over time becomes a lifelong friend. And that really stuck with me is I have friends in all different categories and not every person I meet has to be in that best friend or that lifelong friend category, right? I'm the kind of person that wants to be friendly to everyone and I'm very extroverted that can come to a fault though, meaning that I want everyone to be my friend and everyone, I want to have that best friend intimacy with every single person I meet, which is a good thing, but then it becomes overwhelming when you can't get that, right? And so I think that, you know, continuing to remember and remind myself that I have my three to four best friends and I have my two to six lifelong friends, right? And not everyone has to be a lifelong friend and not everyone has to be a best friend or even a close friend. I can have friends with people. I can be friends with people and not be put them in that close category, if that makes sense. So here's something that I really interests me. And I think I talked about this a little bit on last in the last episode. There are so many people in our generation and my generation that are starving and are craving this idea of connection. But for some reason, we're all dealing with it, but we're too scared to admit it, admit it to each other. Right? Like some of my good friends, for example, a lot of my friends I have one friend specifically, and she's younger than me, and she's really struggling with finding her people and finding true godly Christian friends that are going to uplift her and encourage her, right? But she's struggling with this, but I bet you if she opened her eyes and prayed for God to reveal people to her, that God will find her people right within her little circle that are craving the same thing that she is. The more, and that's why something I like about social media is that the more that we are vulnerable with each other, not in the vulnerable sense of telling every nitty gritty, but vulnerable in what real people go through, the more others will open up, right? If I'm vulnerable with you about my struggle with my addiction to food, well, you're probably going to open up to me about your addiction with whatever, fill in the blank with your phone or with your social media. If I open up and, and sometimes, yes, you have to be the first one to make that decision, but to open up, but it's so rewarding in the end when you do have those intimate, close connections and conversations. So, so let me read this paragraph to you. It says, We spend hours alone in a crowded, noisy, screen-lit world. We only invest in sporadic time with acquaintances, and we expect close friends to somehow appear in our busy lives. We think our acquaintances should be magically produced into two to five BFFs. Then we believe our relational needs will be met. But But community is bigger than two or three friends. Community should be the way we live. So this is, again, kind of talking about how if we're just going to keep going in our lives and expect these friendships and these lifelong connections to just appear and to just become, then we're never going to get it. That's that part of having to risk your comfort and your routines to step out of the comfortability of your lives, right? And to step out and be different and be bold and have to sacrifice things for friendships. 
So then Jenny Allen does do a little diagram, kind of what I was talking about earlier, um, a little diagram about you have your acquaintances, which is your biggest piece of the puzzle, and then you have your village, which is a, which is a diverse community of constant interconnected people. And then after your village, you have your two to five close friends. And this is the two to five close friends is what everyone in today's society and today's social media driven world is trying to get is those close, intimate BFFs. But if we focus on nourishing and feeding our village, then from our village, we will be able to produce these three to five friends. Because if we just have the two to five friends, then what happens when one of them leaves? What happens when one of them dies? What happens if one of them moves? Then we don't have that village and we don't have that village established and we have no one to fall back on because of that. Okay. Here is what I want to read to you. And this is something that has really changed my perspective on things. And here it is. It says this, I've been nerding out researching this and here's what I've learned. There are specific scientific studies that show how many relationships we can manage and how we socially interact with people. Basically, we can handle a network of only about 150 people. Think of your Christmas list, people you talk to at least once or twice a year, much more than that, and it falls apart. Inside that 150 are layers of friendships that deepen with how much time you spend with each person and the degree of your relationship spent with them. Research suggests that we can handle only 50 people in what we call our acquaintances. Within those 50 people, there are 15 people in our village. And within our village, you only have the capacity to make five of them your BFFs. You read that right, only five. Extroverts have slightly more captivity than five, but you get the picture. How much time you spend face-to-face -face with a person is determined where they fit in your 150 and what pushes people deeper into our inner circle of friends, the amount of time we spend with them, time. And this is something, this whole time aspect is something we'll get into in one of the little later videos in part two, but this really, really, really just stirs me up right, with this idea of 150 people. And from those 150 people, you have your 15. And from your 15, you have your five. And that just kind of really, that not everyone has to be in that 15. Not everyone has to be in that 50. Not everyone has to be in that 105. But the key factor that makes them be able to do these different levels is the time and the quality of time that we spend with them. And that's something that one of my best friends, she's actually moving um, schools. And so I know that our friendship will change in a pretty traumatic way because we won't be able to do life with them, that person anymore. I won't be able to eat lunch with that person every day. I won't be able to collaborate on things with that person every day because they're gone and because that proximity is gone. And that's a hard thing to deal with because, you know, I've had people move in the past and I've moved and I say, I'm going to keep up, but it's not the same as when you lived next door. Right. 
God's plan for you is to build a culture community in every part of your life. Having a having this community of fellow believers in every stage of your life, in every, every avenue of your life. Um, okay, so we're kind of getting to the end of this episode. Um, but just kind of talking about this is a good quote. It says, I'm writing this because this kind of genuine community is essential to living, but we have made it an accessory. We have made this idea of just showing up at people's houses or this idea of crying with people and celebrating with this pe- people or this idea of bringing ice cream over. We've, we sporadically, we've, we've gotten this idea as more of like an add-on or like a special occasion when we get to have a deep conversation with a uh, with a peer with a friend right but this needs to be an everyday intentional thing see my cousin she is actually dating this guy at her college and she's going up to campus this year and they're trying to schedule out intentional time for date nights and intentional times for coffee those intentional moments of an every week kind of thing. And I feel like a lot of people do balance relationships as in like romantic relationships pretty well. But what about balancing a friendship? How do you balance? How do you make time? How do you make intentional effort with your friends and with your acquaintances? I failed my friends. Some have forgiven me and some have walked away. Again, just kind of getting to that idea of people are not perfect and people hurt people. And this is just something that happens in our world because of sin nature and it will never be fixed. But people hurt people and some will forgive you and some friendships will last and some friendships will not quit, but some friendships got to go. And maybe a quarrel or a fight is just what God has planned to show you that that relationship needs to go. Another quote is, but as one of the first groups of people on earth to live in such a, we are one of the most, of the first groups of people on earth to live in such an individualistic way. We have learned so much from those who have chosen connection over isolation. Our generation, these generations coming up, are the first generations to live in this isolated environment, in this environment where you don't need people anymore. You don't need people at the grocery store anymore. You don't need people at your churches anymore. You don't need people to talk to. Like You don't need people to do everyday life things. So in this individualistic culture, but the fact is everything that we have learned comes from people living in these organized, connected environments, right? That is who we look to are these connected environments, but we are not living those anymore. 
So she kind of talks about, Jenny Ellen kind of now talks about in the book about when she adopted her son, she went to his country and they were all so supportive of her son. And these weren't even the kid's parents, but they all loved him and they all reprimanded him when he did something wrong. And they, and, and these people in these countries that were starving and had to walk miles for water, they were, they were laughing and they were smiling and they had so much joy in them, even in the circumstances that were they were in. And they kind of wondered, why are they so happy when their village is falling apart? But the key word in that is the word village. They have a village because you have to, in countries like that, live together. You sleep in huts together. You walked for hours to go get water together. You hunt together. You go through life together in a village. But today we don't have villages anymore. Neighbors, I don't even know my neighbors. We don't have that anymore. We don't come together in our pain. We isolate. We insulate. We pretend. We call after the cry. That is something that I've tried to work up in my own life is when I'm feeling sad, when I'm feeling down, I normally will just push it away, push it aside and call later, call in the morning, give it a night's rest. Let me sleep, sleep it off. What I've tried to intentionally think to do is when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I am stressed, when I am worried, first pray to God, of course, but pray to God while you're dialing your best friend on the phone. So that they can be with you in the cry. And I, in my friend group, I feel like I am the counselor. And people come to me when they have things going on. I have a couple friends that I know all of their secrets because they come and, and share it with me. And so I feel like I don't get to do that with someone. I don't get to let out to someone. But I don't let them. I don't tell them when I'm hurting. I have one friend who will always tell me when she's hurting. And so I can help her because she tells me. And I'm like, man, well, why doesn't she take note when I'm sad? Because I don't tell her. It's because I put on this big face. We pretend, we isolate, and we call after the cry. We call the next day, or by the next day, we don't even want to call. We live guarded because we fear someone will use our weakness against us. We have this fear that people are going to ruin our lives. And, and once you get over that and say, so what? So what people find my secret, darkest secret? So what people make fun of me for my weakness? Because nothing, none of that matters in the grand scheme of life. None of it does. We live alone, we eat alone, we run errands alone, we suffer alone, and I'm sick of it. You and I are both sick of it. We are sick from it, anyway. We do everything alone in our life. We now do everything with AirPods in our ears. We don't communicate like we used to. There are some seasons when it feels like our relational cup is overflowing and some seasons when we wonder if if anyone even knows we are alive. Maybe you're a pastor's wife who knows the whole church but never really feels known. 
or you're single and you just moved to a new town for a job and have a completely start over alone. Or you live alone and are worried that would take care of your dog, who would take care of your dog if you had to go to the hospital for some reason. Or if you have a lot of people who you consider friends, but you don't feel deep connection with anyone. Or you tried three small groups and still haven't found the right fit. Or you have best friends, have, or you have the best friends, but life happened and you drifted apart. Or maybe you feel like you have absolutely no one and don't even know where to begin. Whatever situation you have left, you have left you feeling detached and adrift. I am throwing you a life preserver. So this is kind of talking about there are times when we feel like we have a blanket wrapped around us of people supporting us. But then there's sometimes when we feel, does anyone know I'm still alive? I think that's so true, so true. We wonder all these things if people are here. And I wonder if we just start to make these changes, to build our connection, to see our problem and to see the need in our world. What a difference it would make. Because how I do life is how my kids are going to do life. How my kids are going to do life is how their kids are going to do life. So why don't we, why don't we do something to change the world and to change the minds of others? So I hope you kind of enjoyed this sporadic kind of crazy episode today. Um, just kind of, you know, talking a little bit about more about different types of friendships and friendships in general and all the things. And next week, we're going to talk about the connection that we crave. We're still in part one. We'll be in here for a few weeks. But I hope you guys have been enjoying this episode so far. And I hope that it's been blessing you. And I hope just like it's been blessing me in so many ways. But I thank you for everything. Um, I thank you for listening. I just want to say have a great rest of your day whenever you're listening to this. A great rest of your week. And let's go out and find our people and find those who need connection, God, around us. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Counterclockwise. As always, I love you guys so much. I hope you got something out of this and I hope God is working and moving in your life. I think that is it. Love you guys so much. Have a great rest or start of your week. Okay, bye-bye.